Sam the Cooking Guy, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Some call him a fool, some even call him a douchebag, but I say Greg Rempe is the greatest thing to happen to barbecue since caveman. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we nursed. So listen, Laverne, face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. Just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about the most important items in the barbecue and grilling world today. Maybe some have stuck around since last week or last month, for that matter. Hell, we were just talking about the Barbecue Hall of Fame for the first two segments of the first hour. If you've missed the first hour, as I mentioned on the way up, don't worry. We are recording for podcast audio. The video always archives immediately after the show ends on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. So if you'd like to watch the show for whatever reason, I don't. That's available immediately. Available? It's available immediately. If you'd like to break it up, if you'd like to use theater of the mind and listen to audio podcasts, which is how the vast majority of you take in the show, then the first hour will appear in the podcast feed tomorrow. Second hour will appear on Thursday, and I'll talk to you about Friday's podcast here in just a second. By the way, if you're wondering, because you've just stumbled across the show and you hear me talking about podcasts, and you don't know how to subscribe or you don't have a podcast platform that you're particularly fond of or know anything about, if you go to the website, thebbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe, you'll have a whole different host. A whole different, you'll have a whole host of options Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. You can even subscribe to the podcast feed through email. All you have to do is put in your email, then every time the podcast feed is updated through Blueberry, then you get sent an email letting you know that the latest episode in the podcast feed is there and ready for you to listen to. Click on it, it brings you to another link. You can play it right there in your mobile devices, web browser, if you want to. So if you don't want to deal with any podcast apps at all, you can subscribe through email. It's very simple. It's the way we do it. Still to come on the show this evening, Maciek Zorowski from Grilling with Dad and Mike McLeod, the CEO and creator of the World Food Champions, also uh, World Food Championships, also MMA Creative, the uh, marketing firm that he is also the owner of. And we say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. Tough, tough with the words tonight. Video streaming platforms. Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at the at sign at BBQ Central Show. If you would rather take it in there. YouTube poll question of the week update. I'm asking you, what's your favorite barbecue sauce? 
thick and sweet, thin and vinegary, mustard-based or mayo-based, and currently 46% of you are saying thick and sweet wins the day. 33% of you, thin and vinegary, and 21%, that hasn't changed since Robert Moss, is saying that mustard-based, and wow, a big fat zero for mayo-based. I wonder if Bobby T likes mayo based. Yeah, I'm Bobby. I'm Bobby T. You're Bobby T? Yeah, I'm Bobby. I'm Bobby T. Hey, Bobby T. How are you? I'm sorry, your name again? Yeah, I'm Bobby. I'm Bobby T. Oh, Bobby T. Great to have you. Well, I'm glad you are sitting in on the show tonight, Bobby. Bobby T. And enjoy your mayo based barbecue sauce. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 286 taking you back to June 18th of 2013, 10 years ago, almost to the day by the time we get to it. I'm going to tell you this. John Solberg, executive producer of the Best Moments of Barbecue Central Show, 10 minutes ago, and Michigan Embedded Correspondent, has outdone himself for the first time ever. The Best Moments Show is going into a first-of-its-kind four-part mini-series. And at this time in my life, at this interview, I had my sister Kate and her friend Lindsay in my studio. This is stretching all the way back to this would have been right before we moved out of the Euclid house. So first house, first studio, they were there, and evidently it was good enough to get four separate shows. They will air in successive weeks. And in this particular one, Friday, you'll hear us talking about popular barbecue baby names. Unfortunately, like most of the old stuff, I have no recollection that this actually ever happened, which makes me sad, but also speaks to the sheer volume of content we've put out since 2006. So be sure to subscribe to that podcast feed so you can hear the first of a four-part miniseries that John has doctored up here. And again, you can go to thebbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe and subscribe to the podcast feed. That way, don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that you think has been lost in the archives or the sheer volume of this show, email John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com and let him know what you think. As I had mentioned in the beginning of the show, I wanted to do a couple minutes here on Chuck Blount passing away. Uh, first and foremost, my discovery of Chuck Blount well, was not my discovery at all. In fact, it was longest-running embedded correspondent from the show, Doug Scheiding from Texas, who made the intro for me. Had been on me for quite a number of years, actually, to consider putting Chuck on the show as an additional Texas barbecue critic, aside from Daniel Vaughn. Uh, Chuck's, uh, Chuck's tech-savvy at least as it relates to the show, was legendary two times. Two times. We had sound checked, and both times on the show, he had undone all of the setup we did the day before, so much so that he was talking into the wrong side of the microphone two different times. <laughs> but we worked it out in the midst of the interview, and that third time he had it all worked out, no problems. But those first two times, challenging. I don't know how we went from having it all set up to completely undoing everything, but Chuck known to be doing that. And uh, the first time on the show, we were building some talking points, and as he mentioned, he was a Howard Stern super fan. So at the end of our first segment, we played 
the game show, the Chuck Blount Superfan Show of uh, Howard Stern, and it sounded like this. Hey, I don't lose at games. I host games because I'm the host, Chuck. Now, we're going to play as Chuck, a real Howard Stern superfan. I've spent the last couple days digging and digging to the minutiae, talking to my secret friends that may or may not work there. No names, please. Chuck, I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to give me the answer. And if you can get three out of five right... You will be the champion of this particular game show that nobody else is going to play. But because you build yourself oh, man, as a that's... super fan, we're going to put it yes. to the test. Question one. Okay. Who is widely considered to be the king of the whack pack? Beetlejuice. Yes. yes. Chuck, in 1988, this comedian and voice actor worked alongside Jackie the Jokeman. Tough one. Until his departure in 1995. Who is it? Oh, boy. <laughs> Voice actor? Yes. And comedian. That's a tough one. Howard Stern boy. super fan. Chuck searching for an answer. Let's have it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you got to give me an answer. You can't say you don't know. Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison. Final answer. And, of course, that's wrong. Any super fan would know. It is, of course, Billy West. That's right. Oh, that's a tough one, man. Come Super on. fan. Here we go. Question number three. True or false, Howard Stern is a staunch supporter of the Second Amendment or the right to bear arms. True. Yes. Absolutely. All right, we got two. This one for all the marbles. And you have a backup in case you piss it away. What year did Howard Stern go from terrestrial radio to satellite radio? Oh, man. Dude, that is a tough one. Super My fan. lord. Uh, let's see. Uh, 2010? 2010. Final answer. Nope. Uh, 2006. Not that far off. All right. Oh, man. Chuck, wow, we're right long. down here to the last question, which also happened in the first hour with that, Johnny that Max. Was a, that, that, was, that was an incredibly difficult question, by the way. <laughs> That's not uh, fair there, Mr. Greg. I mean, Chuck, uh, I'm not the one who billed myself as a Stern super fan, right? That's right. Now, last <laughs> one. Tan Mom and Randy Barda teamed up to create the release mega hit dance hit Free to Be Me. True or false? Tan Mom would do just about anything. I'm going to say true. Lock it in. Unfortunately, that's technically false. A super fan would know what it was not Randy Barda, it was Adam Barda. That, of course, oh. is the way to go. All right, well, not a super fan that much, I guess, but you did get Beetlejuice as king of the whack pack, and that's really all that counts. How about that? There's an introduction to Chuck Blount. I read an article on Chuck, and one of the things that was coming through with the person that was writing it was Chuck's ability to make assertions or a, a body writing mouths writing checks that bodies can't cash type of a thing and he just harped on the fact that he was this huge Howard Stern super fan and he got two of the five questions right proving that he is indeed not a Howard Stern super fan but he was very adamant about it 
And that's the bit that sticks with me the most. Also, if you recall, and a fan of Chuck, smoked hamburgers were really big on the show. Chuck said it was going to be something that all of the menus down in Texas were going to be barbecue restaurants. We're going to be putting on their menus because it was a good tasting thing. It was also uh, good as far as profit margin and subsequent appearances. When I'm saying, hey, it doesn't seem to be coming a thing, he's doubling down. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue, however, does or did maybe for a, a special time have a smoked burger on their menu. So it does appear to have been enjoyed thoroughly by the barbecue snob himself, Daniel Vaughn, when he was out there. So perhaps Chuck Blount is a, a bit of a forecaster even further ahead than he thought he was. But as I had mentioned, I read a great article recounting Chuck's life on Sunday and, and what I come to find out is the oddities and the intricacies that Chuck exhibited on the show when he was guesting were the same things that his co-workers and friends enjoyed and loved about him the most. Big on confidence, big on sarcasm, big on doubling down for things he believed in, and big on making sure the people around him were endlessly ridiculed and entertained at the same time. That's a unique trait to be able to offend someone on purpose and then have them laughing and loving you 15 seconds later. And it appears Chuck was exactly that person. So while he was only on this show a few times, and he first appeared on this show in, I think it was uh, April or May of uh, 2022, so uh, just over a year ago, the information, the opinions, and most importantly, the entertainment that he brought to the show was certainly appreciated. He leaves behind a wife and a teenage daughter, uh, multiple accounts stating that Chuck succumbed to a very brief but aggressive illness that wasn't classified any further than that. And as Robert Moss said in the first hour, Chuck Blount, uh, 47 years old. So remember, folks, there is one thing that I can guarantee for sure, and that's no one is getting out alive. So if you are living with regret or you're going to bed every night and saying to yourself, if I die tonight, am I going to be pissed? Am I going to regret something? Is there something that I need to set right? Then you need to figure that out. You need to make that right. I'm not talking about religion or nonsense like that. I'm talking about being a good human and checking in with yourself and saying, am I good? If I die overnight, and if you're not, when you get up the next morning, if you get up, then work to make those changes so you can reconcile every night and know that if that happens, you're okay with it. Does it suck? Yes. Does it suck Chuck is dead now? Of course. But I believe Chuck was probably living uh, a, a as guilt-free of a life as he could probably lead. I don't know Chuck very well, of course. But he was at least giving me that vibe, and as I'm reading the articles that were eulogizing him through the San Antonio Express News, they seem to echo that sentiment. So, Chuck, uh, we certainly hold one up to you one last time here on the show and appreciate everything you contributed, no doubt. That's Chuck Blount uh, passing away at 47 years old. All right, we have Machek ready to go from Grilling with Dad. Before we get to that, I'll talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time, 13 perfectly balanced flavors of rubs and seasonings, 
doing well in the backyards, doing well in the competition circuit, as we know. They own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. And they're selling cooked. So if you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. If you don't know what you need, call and ask questions for crying out loud, 877-828-0727, or shop their website at bigpapasmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A smokers.com. We're back with Machek right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Right, we welcome you back here to the Barbecue Central Show. My first guest this evening has 426,000 Instagram followers, has 1.2 million followers on the Facebooks, so a media maven, yes, but an outdoor live fire proselytizer and somebody who is making business in the land of live fire. We're happy to welcome in for the first time, Machek Zorowski. Hey, Machek. Hey, what's going on, Greg? How's it going? I am very happy to see you here this evening and have you on for the first time. And it's uh, my fault. I should have had you on at least two or three years ago. But uh, like booking anything with the show, a great thought here. You put it to the side for one second, then it's gone. And uh, finally, Just we're, like everything we're else. caught up. Absolutely. Just like everything Before else. we get going yeah, tonight, I'm glad to Machek, be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you. YouTube poll question of the week. I'm asking everybody that's watching favorite barbecue sauce, thick and sweet. Thin and vinegary, mustard based or mayo based? Where does grilling with dad sit? Thick and sweet all day long. All baby. Right. I like. I mean, I like all the sauces, but if I were to pick just one, it's going to be thick and sweet. Forty-six percent of the voting public agree with Machek. Thick and sweet is the way to go. Thin and vinegary weighing in with thirty-three percent, and mustard based is twenty-one percent and mayo based is getting no love at all, unfortunately. Oh, so zero wow. percent of the voting public. I do like a mayo based sauce. I mean they're they're good, but that's more just for chicken though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I only use it I don't think I've ever had it with anything else. But it's delicious with smoked chicken. I bet it would be good for brisket. I mean people put I started the mayo as a binder on brisket uh, phenomenon. <laughs> so yeah. I mean it would have to be good on beef, right? Why not? I mean, you know, worth trying, right? <laughs> I think that's your next video, probably, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Can't wait to see the comment section on that one. Maciek uh, Zorowski, great Italian name, of course. But for course. the folks who don't know, <laughs> uh, give us a little backstory about how you get to the States. Yeah, so uh, originally I am from Poland, so born and raised. Uh, we moved to, uh, to the U.S. when I was about 10 years old, so back in uh, around 91. And uh, we've been in the Chicagoland area ever since, um, you know, lived in the city first then moved out to the suburbs, but uh, in this general area for the last, you know, 30 plus years. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. So you come over at 10 and I don't know what the memory's like, but when you think mm -hmm. back to that point in life, what kind of live fire options were there in Poland or was there not even any? Well, so live fire cooking is pretty big and was pretty big and is still pretty big, but more like, you know, like campfire style cooking and grilling. I remember, you know, even going with my parents, we would go camping. There would always be a big fire and, you know, the dads would always grill or cook some meats. Usually it was pork. Pork is a really big protein in Poland. <laughs> 
you know, like fire roasted potatoes, some meats, things like that. So that was uh, that was pretty popular, but no really not really big backyard barbecue scene except for like grilled sausages or, you know, some some basics. So that was all new when we moved here, uh, including barbecue sauce, which is why. You know, I, I mentioned uh, thick and sweet because I fell in love with barbecue sauce like immediately after we came here. I'm like, what is this deliciousness? How, you know, <laughs> where has this been all my life? Do you get back to Poland a lot? Uh, but the last time that I went was about 10 years ago. Oh. So it, it's been a while. Uh, I do want to go back. Uh, I have some extended family that still lives there, you know, just to show my kids to and visit because it's, I mean, it's a it's a different place than it was obviously even 10 years ago. So. When you get here, I assume you're speaking Polish, of course. I mean, you're living yep. there, right? When you mm-hmm. get here, now you have to, uh, and maybe you were already assimilating the English language before you even got here. I don't know. But uh, do, do your parents make you speak Polish in the house, at least, to, to keep up the native tongue? Well, so we, my parents didn't know a word of English when we came here. I knew a little bit. I could, I could understand some, but very little so we lived in a polish neighborhood where you really didn't need to know english you know because mm-hmm. there were polish stores polish newspapers you could get everything done without any english so we always spoke and even to this day we speak polish in the house mm-hmm. um you know they obviously speak english now but to them polish is still you know their language and yeah so let's pull it up to the new generation you have young kids mm-hmm. you teach them Polish too, or is it like, eh, you're in America now, forget it? Yeah, so we did. So my wife is Polish too, which makes things a little bit easier. So we try to speak Polish at the house. Um, we spoke only Polish to my kids when they were when they were little, but when they started school, started watching, you know, YouTube, the iPads, the games, hanging out with their friends. It's uh, they understand everything that we say to them in Polish, but they don't really speak it back to us. So mm-hmm. I'll say something in Polish, and they'll answer back in English. Do they have any accent at all? So you have like a, a mild Polish accent. No. I assume your parents yeah. have very heavy, but it's uh, I would imagine it's waning as they get younger. No, no accent whatsoever. Yeah, yeah right. no accent with my kids. Yeah, they're just like super fluent in it. And yeah, so I'd like for them to know. I mean, I'm not going to force them to speak Polish if they don't want to, but it'd be nice for them to at least know some of it, you know, so even when we go to visit, they can understand or, you know, it's still a part of their history and their, and their heritage. So it'd be nice for them to know it a little bit. When you get through high school here in the States, you go to college or you just get a job right out of, out of high school? Yeah, so we did. I went to uh, University of Illinois in Chicago, so another local school here in Chicago. Um, you know, went to college, got my degree, got a uh, good office job, you know, like a regular nine to five after school. And that was my, my career path. What were you and doing? I was on that path for about, I don't know, 15, 10 years maybe. Huh before this whole social media thing kind of took over and, you know, took the leap. What, uh, what, what kind of job or career were you in? Uh, so my background is in uh, finance. Um, you know, I have a degree in economics and then I worked for in banking, uh, financial institutions, but all, you know, kind of finance related. When did, you become, a, at all. when did you become a fan of barbecue? So I've been a fan since I was a little kid, since we moved here. Like I said, when I had my first kind of bite of American barbecue of even, you know, American barbecue sauce, I'm like, this is, this is terrific. And then after we moved, after I moved out of my house, you know, we moved in with my girlfriend at the time, um, we would cook and grill all the time. I loved cooking outside, being outside by the grill, 
First, it was a little uh, gas grill. Then I got a little Weber charcoal grill, you know, a little kettle, um, you know, just doing chicken steaks, but real basic stuff. But I've always really liked it. Just the flavor, that smokiness and just being outside, you know, cooking. As the story's told, in 2017, your wife gets you a big green egg for Father's Day or something along these lines. Um, mm -hmm. Was she blindly shooting in the dark and saying big green egg for you, or were you hinting around that that's a cooker you would like to get? I've been I've been hinting at it. So for the you know for maybe the last the two years prior to that, you know, I was following some other barbecue accounts on Instagram, some of these cooking guys, and I would always see this big green egg grill. Everybody was saying, you know, this is a the go-to kind of versatile cooker. You can grill, you can smoke, you know, like if you're going to get one grill, that's what you get. So we would talk about it at the house, but, you know, the, the grill was a total surprise. I had no idea she was going to get it. The delivery truck showed up with this grill and I'm like, holy cow, you know, like, <laughs> this is so cool. And uh, just on a whim, that's how I decided to start the Instagram page to more so to learn how to use this new cooker, get some new recipes, figure out, you know, how to use this thing and, and just kind of document my journey as I go. You've been associated with Big Green Egg uh, ever since I've started to follow you. So how do you put a business relationship together with them? Do they reach out to you or do you reach out to them? Yeah. So what happens, at least my experience has been as my Instagram page grew, as you gain more followers, businesses eventually start to reach out. At first, they would reach out and say, hey, can we send you maybe some barbecue seasoning or a sauce or some grilling tool or some meat, you know, try it out, maybe make a video with it. And then as the page continues to grow, then, you know, eventually it turns from free products to, hey, maybe we can pay you some money to include us in your videos or do a review of our products or whatever the case might be. And it just kind of goes and grows from there. Big Green Egg reached out to me it's, I mean, it's been a couple of years ago, uh, I think just with some free products initially. Um, and then we just kind of grew the relationship over the last few years. I want to stick to my outline. However, you bring up yep. a point here that it has always been a, a lingering hot button with me. And it's the, the over the, the arc here is knowing your value. When, yes. when, when they reach out to you and say, Hey, we want to give you some rub or Hey, we want to give you some charcoal. It's exciting, right? You know, you have something cooking oh, yeah. and you oh, feel sure. pretty good. And of course you want to say yes. But is mm -hmm. that where folks, especially now who want to be these influencers or, or media mavens, what have you, is the problem or the issue up front, maybe, maybe this is an issue that we have to look back 10 years ago when this thing was really getting going and people were just taking free mm -hmm. shit to take free shit. But we can't yeah. deal with that now, right? It's 2023 and this is where we're at. So if you really want to do it right, should you be demanding up front now as they're contacting you that, sure, you can send me some free stuff, but also you're going to be parting with some of that cash and start building value that way? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely challenging because at least in my for in my experience, with the first time when somebody reached out, even with free product, like it just blew my mind. I'm like, holy crap, I can get like this for free. Like I was going to buy it and now they're giving it to me like, yeah, hell yeah, man, send a case of it or however much like, you know, so that initial excitement, you're just excited that somebody's acknowledging what you're doing. It's a business, you know, they're providing a product that you want to use. So you don't even think about money. Like when I started my page, I had no intention of this that I would even be able to make money on this stuff. You know, I'm like, it's a cool, it's a little hobby. I cook, you know, and, uh, 
and then once I think the first business that offered me money, I'm like, holy crap, I can actually get paid for doing this stuff. <laughs> and then, you know, my my mentality changed. I'm like, you know what? That's actually a good point because I put a lot of time and effort into this. So why, you know, why shouldn't I be paid to promote someone else's product? Well, they make their money and I get, you know, a bottle of sauce in exchange for that. So yeah, easy for them to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, you know, but it is challenging because, you know, and I, to this day too, like not to say any product that I use, I get paid for like some stuff I'll do in exchange for product, or if it's like a smaller company or something that I legitimately just like to use, I'm not going to just not use it because somebody's not paying me. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a balance, right? You got to figure out which way you want to go and, and just kind of move forward. When I met you last year in person at the Hartville Hardware Grill Fest, we talked about doing grilling with that as a full-time job. In fact, you also mm -hmm. mentioned that your wife was uh, in on the business as well. I'm interested to know, back before you, you make the jump, what kind of conversations are you and your wife having, you know, in the, in the secret late night hours going, geez, should we take grilling with dad to the, to the next level? Do I do it full-time mm -hmm. and, and leave a day job and... You know, that's got to be pretty nerve wracking. What What are those conversations that you have? It was, yeah, it was very nerve wracking. So it got to the point for me where I was doing daily videos, daily recipes and having a full-time job, two kids at home, you know, a wife and then doing this cooking stuff. It got to the point where it was just too much. I was, you know, I was getting burnt out and I realized that there was more potential with the grilling with dad, with the social media side of it than my day job. But the money really wasn't quite there yet, you know. Even before that, I was thinking, you know, maybe once I make as much as I make in my day job, I'll quit my day job because this will equal that, right? But that it never got to that point while I had the day job hmm. because it's just not enough time to do all the stuff that you want to do. So we started talking about the possibility of going full time and kind of approaching this more like a business where you kind of have a better plan in place, more of a structure with what kind of content we're going to put out how often we're going to put it out. And, uh, but, but it is just, it is a leap of faith, you know, because you go from a steady paycheck every two weeks benefits to this unknown. I'm 40 years old, making Instagram videos for a living. <laughs> I have a mortgage, a car payment. And, you know, when people ask what I do, I'm like, Oh, I make Instagram videos. They're like, what? But no, but really. So it's, you know, even in my head, when I say it now, it sounds, it sounds, you know, wild to me, but, but it kind of got to the point where, it was either that or, or just kind of, you know, doing the day job and not really doing much anything else. So I've long been a believer in trying to make all the money. So uh, it sounds like in your, so what I mean by that is I have a day job. I sell Peterbilt trucks for Peterbilt. Mm -hmm. I've done that for, you know, seven or eight years. I've been doing yeah. this show in some form or fashion for the last 17 years. And I've always been able to delineate and have a working process where one never competes with the other, nor should sure. one ever compete with the other. Um, so I don't do that. And I'm able to you know, work some sponsorship stuff with this show, and that's nice. Uh, but I've, I've also never had a burning desire to do this as a full-time job because I feel right. it would take, it would suck all the fun out of it for me. For me, I'm just talking for me. Other people, yep. you know, like yeah. you, you do it and you have a, a vision on how that's going to be better. But for me, uh, whatever money I'm getting here is, is cool. I want to make as much money as I can here, but I also want to make as much money as I can at the day job. So it, it works sure. out for me. But it sounds like you weren't going to be able to, to get to the point of satisfaction in order to, to do both for you. You had to pick one or the other. 
Yeah, like it, you know, I was basically doing too much for too long where I was like either one's got to give, you know, like I can't continue with the day job with the with the with the kind of the kids, the wife and the cooking and the videos and how much content I was putting mm-hmm. out for much longer and that was also my worry, you know, I was thinking, well, what if I go full time with it? Will it still be fun after a couple months? You know, right now I'm cooking after work. I'm not really I'm not stressed if I get a sponsor deal or not because I've got my day job that pays the bills. But if I go full time, then it, you know, it, it's no longer fun because now this is kind of the day job. Right. Uh, but it never got to the point. I, I kind of, you know, I went full time with it and everything just almost overnight improved mm. quality wise, content wise, money wise. It just continued to grow and that continued to kind of motivate me to keep going even, even further with it. So continuing on with the business talk here, you recently open up some products available for sale, Grilling with Dad. And the first thing that I saw hit was uh, the Grilling with Dad rub. So how long has that been in the works? And if somebody's interested in trying it out, what kind of flavor profile you offer? Yeah, so that, that was in the works for, for, I would say, a good six to eight months. Uh, even before that, people would always reach out and say, hey, you should do your own rubs. And I was a little hesitant at first because there's just so many products out mm-hmm. there, so many good ones to pick from. Uh, but, but I just kind of figured, you know what, people are asking for it. Might as well do it and we'll see how it goes. So we kind of developed our formula. And the hardest part really was to find a good co-packer to make this for us, you know, to 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 kind of not have crazy minimum order requirements where I need to order a truck full of it, you know, because it's just me shipping this from my garage. But uh, once we keep, once we found a place, developed the formula, put it into play, it's been, it's been going really great. It went live about a month ago. We ship directly on the website. The flavor profile is kind of like a traditional barbecue chip flavor. You know, that's kind of what we went for. Something that's really good on, on all proteins on veggies grilled, cooked inside in the oven. However you cook, it's going to be, a good kind of well-rounded all-purpose barbecue seasoning. Uh, we ship most of most of the sales are directly from our website, grillingwiththat.com, and we are starting to get a little bit more store retail availability that's been expanding. So we'll see how it goes. We have two more rubs in the works, a steak seasoning and a taco rub that'll be out mm-hmm. next month. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun kind of doing this whole you know seasoning part of it too now. What would be the goal of rubs to be part of the revenue stream? Would you like to see that generate $500,000 in the next three or four years or a million dollars or what? Yeah, you know what? It's it's not, I haven't, I when we launched this first rub, I didn't know what to expect sales-wise. Like, would, you know, would people actually buy it? You know, besides that kind of initial, you know, excitement for a new product, would, would it continue to sell? And uh, surprisingly, it's been going really well over the last month. So the goal is to definitely continue growing it. And, uh, you know, get into that seven figure sale income, you know, over the last over the next maybe year or two, mm. once we develop more rubs and get into sauces, I do want to do a sauce like I love barbecue sauce. So we'll see. I mean, I don't want to shit on your parade, Machek, but holy crap, there's a lot of rubs and sauces out there in the market. these days. How do you stay above the noise? Like what's what's the strategy there? See, like the way that I look at it is the the rubs and the sauce. Like I already have an avenue to market and advertise those products via my social channels. So anytime that I use it in my video that gets, you know, a ton of views, I see an instant bump Mm -hmm. in sales. So, you know, I stay relevant by including it in my videos, in my content, talking about it. You know, we do a lot of demos and local events, little pop-ups. So it's uh, it's just kind of taking it, you know, taking that route and using 
the social media platforms as much as we can to uh, promote it and uh, you know and sell it. So a couple other rubs and a sauce coming down the uh, coming down the pike here shortly. Where do you see Machek and grilling with that in the next ten years? So definitely expand the the rub and sauce offering. I do want to get into grilling and barbecue tools. Have like a you know spatulas, tongs, mopping tools, whatever whatever things that I use. Not so much that you know just to have products, but I find that a lot of stuff that I use at the house is just quality wise. It just breaks, falls apart quickly. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather get a nice, well well made, well made grilling tools that people can use. Have that be available. And just kind of a slew of products that relate to live fire cooking, grilling, mostly at the house, in your backyard, where you can get grilling with that products to improve your cooking and grilling experience. Do we have confirmation that uh, the third Saturday in September, there will be a return visit to the metropolis, Hartville, Ohio, to the Grill yeah. Fest 2023? You going to be there? Yeah, that's the plan. It's, it, it was a great time last year. It yeah. was... Uh, I didn't know what to expect at this ginormous Hardville hardware store, which kind of blew my mind. But I tell people uh, there's a home fun. inside of the hardware store, and yeah. people like look at me like I'm an idiot. But for real, there's a real, a real ass home in there, isn't there? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And they're actually a uh, dealer now of uh, grilling with that rubs, so you can nice. pick your rubs uh, at Hardville. All right. So if you're going to be around the area in September, come down and see me and Machek and Diva Q and. Mike Lang to do live demos. Uh, I'll be emceeing as well. And uh, this was great for his visit. Machek, appreciate your time here this evening. Let's do it again sooner than later. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. You got it. There he is. Machek Zaroski, Grillin' with Dad. And of course, the website grillinwithdad.com. Instagram is grillin' underscore, like I N, grillin' underscore with underscore dad. And Facebook course slash grilling with dad 1.2 million followers over there on the facebook's wow all right mike mcleod is ready to go from world food championships and mma creative we'll be back with him in just one second stick around be right back you're listening to the barbecue central show let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion then he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. And we thank Machek Zaroski from Grillin' with Dad for the visit last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, available in three sizes, a host of accessories. Doesn't matter if you're a beginner or a professional. Definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Closing the show tonight, the creator of the World Food Championships and the CEO of MMA Creative, longtime friend of this show. And I am happy to welcome back Mike McLeod. Mike, before we get into nonsense and shenanigans here this evening, I'm going to ask you the YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking tonight which is your favorite barbecue sauce is thick and sweet, thin and vinegary, mustard-based, or mayo-based. Where are you at? Mustard-based. Really? Wow. Uh, you are with 18% of the voting public as mustard-based being their favorite. Thin and vinegary is just above that at 36%, and thick mm. and sweet 
is taking the day at 46%. So we appreciate your input on that. About 10 years ago, it would have been uh, thick and sweet. But I think I had so much of that I needed to switch. Yeah. I've I've just never been into sweet anything. I'm not a big candy guy uh, in any form or fashion. So having an overly sweet barbecue sauce, except like on pork, I'll, I'll trend a little bit more sweet, but I've always been more of a fan of the, of the vinegar based stuff. And I like mustard, not a big fan of mayo stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big vinegar guy. I like the white sauce out of Alabama, but, um, the mustard Carolina profile mm-hmm. has, has, uh, captured my taste buds for the last two or three years. Before we get into the barbecue series being put on, you know, joint venture there with uh, World Food and Famous Days, let's quickly talk about the final table results of World Food Championships. You go back to a venue that you're pretty familiar with, one that's already had a champion crown within its confines. And the winner this year is John McFadden from Australia. So my question to you is, is this the first international food champ that we've had in our midst? It is. Uh, Chef John was uh, amazing, not only in Dallas, but in Bentonville at the final table. His his nickname is going to become the machine, I believe. Um, He was absolutely on point every second, performed every aspect of his cook, had no sous chefs, and delivered impeccably every every step of the way he was um very impressive and uh he's going to be a great champion for us how do the finals work for the folks that don't know specifically about that how does that operate so it's it's really unusual in that um it's the second half of the gauntlet that i call it you know you have to in the world food championships process you have to earn your way in You have to win a signature build. You have to win an infusion build. So you have to win three challenges to become a champion of of a category. And then you get to go to the final table where we we design three challenges that are very locally based to the community or the location that we're located in. And um, uh, usually that is a a, um, local favorite um, ingredient and then it's a local popular dish and then it's a menu challenge. So it's the culinary gauntlet is six complete challenges and, uh, it, it, it proves to us who the best cook is. You know, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't focus on, can you make the best dessert or can you make the best rib or can you make the best chicken thigh or chicken wing, whatever it is, we, we put you through, um, six complete unique challenges and, and you have to, um, you have to excel at all of them. So we, at the end of the day, we know that, that our world champion is an incredible cook and can take on incredible challenges and enter into a, hopefully a new career, um, new opportunities, new gigs, uh, and, and represent us, but not only, but themselves as well. So it's, it's really, um, 
an incredible um, challenge for anyone, home cook, professional chef, competition cook, whatever you are, it, it's an opportunity for you to prove that, that you're incredible uh, at what you do and at what we say you should be incredible at. So um, we stand behind them and they stand behind us after, after it's all said and done. You've never known me to ask softball questions, Mike, so why start now? Tell me why having the gap between these two events makes sense and doesn't cause a loss in momentum. And when I say two events for the folks that don't know, I'm talking about the World Food Championships uh, in itself, which takes place you know, towards the, the, the end of the year last year in Dallas. And then we have from there until, was it last week or, or the week before when the final table actually May. happened? So. You know, there's yeah. a number of months right, gap in between those two events. So it's a great question because it's not always been that way and it may not always be that way. Um, but right now, the way we look at it is we, we spend um, an incredible amount of time designing and creating the actual event around the World Food Championships in November. And it takes us five days, five or six days to get through what we call the prelims and to get to the 10 category champions. So to do another two or three days on top of that is, is very um, challenging, not only for our staff, but it's challenging for someone who enters into the competition and wants to stay and become the ultimate champion, right? Become um, the world for champion eight days, nine days later. So when we, decided to separate it there were two prevailing thoughts one was let's give these 10 champions of our 10 categories um a promotional period of time that we can build up their success and and talk about their victory and promote them in their communities and nationally and then give them a chance to prepare for a final challenge that would earn them a hundred thousand dollars. So the third thing that, that later on top of that was TV. You know, we, we've learned after being on about eight different TV shows that it's really hard to pick a winner. TV likes to pick a winner. They like to follow a character. Yeah. They like to develop a, a storyline behind someone. Well, it's hard to do that when you start out with 400 teams, right? Who's, who's going to win? Yeah. Who's, who's going to be the person that we should build a story? So um, for us, we, we realized that when you narrow it down to 10 teams and you can build challenges around those 10 teams in a final table, and that, that's a lot more TV-centric and a lot more TV-friendly. So that was the third and final thought to separating the final table from the main event. Where do you see World Food Championships this coming year? Still going to be in Dallas? Do you still have another year there, or are you out of there? Yes, we're still in Dallas uh, for the main event. The final table uh, may be in a, a different location. We are, we've got a couple options on that front, and... Um, we're trying to make the best decision for the overall platform. So we, we are, we are trying to, to do what's right for food sport. We've got, a, we've got a couple of really, really big announcements about to happen. So stay tuned for that. 
748 years ago, Mike, there was something called the Sam's Club Barbecue Tour, a revered series by uh, pretty much all the competition cooks in KCBS. And the finals of that event was widely considered to be a major, like the Jack or the Royal, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then it went away, and there's really been nothing to come in and take its place until this year. Tell me how this famous Dave's and World Food Championship partnership came to be with this new barbecue series. So you're right. I mean, uh, the Sam's Club series, which ran for seven years, was, I think, one of the um, the premier developments in barbecue in, in probably probably 20 years. And we were we were lucky to be a, a part of it. We we designed it. We operated it. And and we worked as liaison between KCBS and, and Sam's Club on that. And um, I, I'm actually encouraged by recent conversations with um, our friends at Sam's Club that that there could be a possible comeback on that tour. I'm 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 actually um, in some conversations that are delving into how that worked and how it might work again if we were to restart it. But, uh, in the meantime, the, um, the folks at, at, at famous Dave's of America are they're they're seeing the, the thing that we talked about during those years as, as the connection to the, the whole competitive industry and, and the, the passion that exists in this industry. And, and they've greenlighted this this series that we just uh, started about uh, three or four weeks ago, uh, the fam- famous Dave's um, All Star Barbecue series, and it's it's smaller, but it's it's um, it's it's very u- unique and it's very intimate, and it it works in the same way. But right now, as soon as you win a a local famous Dave's competition, you you um, springboard into the World Food Championship. So they are. They are currently our unique and exclusive entry into uh, the barbecue industry, into the barbecue category of, of WFC. So that's the uh, only way we, you can get in a, to barbecue now is you have to to well, win a, a Sam's local or a, a, a famous Dave's local. It's the only way for a new team to get in. If if a team performed well in the previous year, we have some grandfather clauses that allow them to get in if they were in a top 10 of the previous previous year of WFC. So, but for the, for the most part, yes, it's the only way for them to get in unless you're in a preferred qualifier barbecue um, situation. And there's not many of those out there. So right now it is, it is our uh, preferred partner, preferred strategy to get in and three events into 15 events that we're going to do we are extremely satisfied and extremely happy with not only how um the events are working but but how famous daves and their staff is supporting competition barbecue and how they're investing in it they're they're putting five thousand dollars uh at every contest into play and we all we limit the teams to six teams so there's a great chance if if you know what you're doing that you're going to take home some money uh, from from one of the famous Dave's contests. So, um, we we love what we're seeing. We we love the enthusiasm and the passion from famous Dave's, uh, 
and we believe it's going to be um, a very significant element to the World Food Championships and to the barbecue category in, in particular. How are the teams picked? If you're only taking six total, I'm sure there, there were more than six applying. There's, there's about three different parameters, um, one of those being first come, first serve, the other being geocentric, uh, the third being um, quality of team. So we, we look at all those, those aspects and then we, we confirm with the, the teams that have applied for a particular competition and send them a confirmation that, that says you're in and uh, we'd love to see you at the local famous stage where, wherever that is. As far or as long as I've known you, Mike, and uh, just a quick fun fact here, the first time you were on the show was May 10th of 2010, if you can believe it or not, so a long time to be sure. I've known you to always be a strategic and uh, a strategic thinker, uh, as much focused on the future as to even what's happening here present day. So best case scenario, how do you see this specific tour unfolding, let's say over the next three to five years? And now, of course, I have to caveat by saying, holding that Sam's Club thing, you kind of just hand grenaded on all of us there at the top. Um, hold that off to the side. But how do you see this unfolding over the next three or five years? So um, in a perfect world, I would see the, the famous Dave series being a str strategic great gateway into WFC and there being 25 teams from 25 different contests earning their way into our championship. Um, and then perhaps there being a, a championship at Famous Dave's, that it becomes an actual Famous Dave's uh, premier league, if you will. If, if the Sam's Club strategy comes back into play, I think that becomes a two-tier system where you have uh, maybe another five or ten teams that come through a super series um, on top of the Famous Dave's programs. Um, and, and I think, you know, Sam's Club, when we when we operated it, there was there was half a million dollars uh, prize purse involved. So in and of itself, it becomes a, a major at the headquarters of Sam's Club and and um, you know, maybe there's five or, or 10 winners from that event that moves over into the World Food Championships as well. So I, I think both of them can coexist. I think um, uh, at, for Famous Daves of America, they have a unique opportunity to, to develop menu opportunities. Uh, right now we're working with Curveball Whiskey, which has come in to – to the barbecue arena and in a big way and famous Dave's is serving up curveball whiskey glazed chicken wings through our, through our events and, and curveball whiskey, um, mules, uh, which are very tasty drinks. Um, all of these things can lead to on the menu opportunities and it's different than what can happen at Sam's club. Sam's club can actually lead to a, a product that's on the shelf, right? That that's there year in and year out. Um, obviously, or it becomes a just a a major in and of itself with a lot of money. So, I believe there's space for both. Uh, I'm I'm going to continue working to to bring um, Sam's Club back to the to the uh, mix 
in barbecue. I think barbecue needs it right now. Um, and, and I think that the famous Dave's getting local strategy makes a lot of sense because it brings, brings out local competitors, but also brings the celebrity into the mix and, and it gives people, uh, an opportunity to come celebrate barbecue the way, uh, Dave Anderson did in, in the very beginning when he began the restaurant, you know, he was, he was a barbecue competitor and he, he, um, he, he put a lot of pride in, in being able to win, uh, barbecue contests and sauces and things of that nature. So I think both of them have a place in, in this industry. The famous Dave's event is being judged through eat methodology, I would assume. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to, to, uh, think beyond the box. <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I've, I've been a great advocate for competition barbecue for, for many, many years. And, and I believe there's a place for the way it's done, but I also believe that barbecue can be beautiful and it can be, uh, more compelling and it can, um, it, it can breathe beyond the parameters of what a barbecue judge thinks is great barbecue. And the, the one distinctive difference that, um, we've built into the famous Dave's program is that the eat methodology, which is built on a, a concept that a cook is, is making something for you and creating a contract between what I believe is, is, is great barbecue and what you should judge it against is different than what ex currently exists. And so far, um, the teams that have excelled in the famous Dave's program have loved it. And as someone who, um, um, loves recently, uh, blackberry chipotle ribs, <laughs> which, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to taste at a typical, no, that would get you contest. like a, a four, right? In scoring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that's so far out of bounds. Right. Yeah. But, but in our system, we tell the judges, this is blackberry chipotle ribs and the judges have to, to, um, discern is, is, did the cook create what they said they they created and it's beautiful you know we the winner uh of our very first contest the grand champion of our very first contest in las vegas um for their wild card it cooked um uh, lamb chops mm. and they were just phenomenal and the, the grand champion of the one that we just did in hermitage tennessee created a smoked um pecan caramel cheesecake as, as their wild card entry. So, you know, I, I love barbecue. I love ribs. I love chicken. I love pork. I love brisket. I love all those things, but I also love a, a little variety. And when, a, when a team tells me this is the best Wagyu you've ever put in your mouth, you know, I, I enjoy the thrill of trying to, to judge that and trying to, score at Wagyu because it, it's, um, it's more than just meat in a box. It's, um, it's a compelling dish based on what that particular team thinks their strength is. And so far so good that, that that's what we're seeing at each one of the famous Dave's contests. We've done three, we've got 12 more to go. We're going to see a lot of variety. And, um, and, and in addition to all that, there, all the teams are willing to create, flavored chicken wings for the public 
sample out 200 chicken wings per team, make sure that there's some kind of engagement for the consumer, which is important, uh, I think, in the whole barbecue industry. So uh, those things, in my opinion, make it um, a winning solution, not not only for the industry, but for uh, the sponsor of the industry. I assume the Sam's Club mention is going to pick up momentum here over the next couple of days as this podcast get released out and, you know, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Is this going to be associated with any sanctioning body or is this also going to fall under the eat methodology judging just, just so we can kill anything right off the top? Everything that I touch right now is going to involve the eat methodology. Um, it, it is a platform that we believe in. It's a platform that we're building. It's a platform that's going to put a lot of money in the pockets of people who want to participate. We, uh, we don't expect, and we don't, um, we're, we're not trying to cajole people to, to do us versus something else, but we are going to build the biggest, baddest, most influential food sport category that exists. And for those teams who want to participate, we welcome them. And for those who don't, we wish them good luck and in all of the adventures they take on. Um, we, we have uh, numerous developments and announcements that are going to occur over the next um, six to eight weeks, and we hope everyone's paying attention. Notice has been served by Mike McLeod there, the creator of World Food Championships. So uh, obviously over the next six, seven, or eight weeks, uh, there's most likely a chance you'll see Mike back on this show talking about some of the stuff that will be unveiled and if you're going to be in the long beach area this coming weekend right uh you can check out that famous dave's event that's going to be taking place there this coming saturday so uh, mike always appreciate the time and the insights as always and look forward to doing it again soon greg always a pleasure uh apologies for the wi-fi connections but um thanks for your patience and thanks for everything you do you got it appreciate you it's mike mcleod right there at the World Food Championships, worldfoodchampionship.com, the website, or you can go to famousdave.com slash all-star BBQ series, Long Beach this coming weekend. And then if you go to that website, famousdaves.com slash all-star barbecue series, you can see where the subsequent events are going to be as well. And it's all uh, running all the way through uh, near the end of August, so a number of weeks left. If you're interested in competing, there still might be some openings, so you heard how they pick teams, but give it a shot first and see what's open, and then take part. Sounds like a great time, and if you're a consumer or somebody likes to see some live fire competition taking place, get out to Long Beach this coming weekend. Why not? All the way back in the first hour, we started off with Dave Raymond, Sweet Baby Ray, talking about the history of the sauce and where he's at present day and what it means getting into Barbecue Hall of Fame this year. Then we had Robert Moss in his monthly segment. Second hour, Machek Zorowski, Grilling with Dad's founder. Talking about the background on him, how he got into barbecue, how the whole Grilling with Dad thing started, and then making it a full-time job. He's got a rub out, two more rubs coming, the sauce is coming out as well. And looking forward to seeing him again in person in September, but we might have him on before then, why not? And then closing out the show, of course, Mike McLeod from World Food Championships talking about the barbecue series that's currently going, uh, currently going on in conjunction with World Food Championships and Famous Days. And that 
Oh, he dropped the bombshell right there at the end. Uh-oh. Sam's Club could be getting a reboot with Eat Methodology. Anything he touches will have Eat Methodology going forward. So other people are like, oh, no, it's not the same. Huh? I want to extend, extend the skill set a little bit. Why not? Reward creativity. That's what we're always talking about. Big show planned for you next week. Who do we have? We got Bad Byron coming on. We have Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. Mac Plummer, owner uh, owner of Loco Flat Tops at West Wright. And his monthly appearance, so jam-packed show as always. How do I always leave you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe saying bye-bye. This is Chris Payne from Euclid, Ohio, and you are listening to Barbecue Central. <laughs>